We all know dental school is hard, but being a dentist in the real world is even harder. And what about all those things they don't teach you in dental school, like how to talk to patients and when to buy a practice? New Dentist Boost Camp is here to help you. Easily download and watch 12 hours of valuable CE, giving you tools you will want to implement immediately to help with your day-to-day in the office and lessons that will help you through your entire dental career. Learn from Dr. Paul Goodman and top dental professionals. Gain confidence in crown preps, class 2 composites, root canals, and implants. Increase patient acceptance. Effectively communicate to your patients and your dental team. This beneficial course is $9.95, but because Dental Nachos loves to see happy dentists succeeding, they are offering new dentist boost camp to dental students for $3.95. Visit DentalNachos.com slash NDBC for more information and to purchase your discounted download of New Dentist Boost Camp. Watch it and re-watch it anytime. This will be an impactful reference tool that you can continue to learn from and use. Buy it today to help you find a good job, start paying your student loans back faster, and feel great about dentisting. That's what it's all about. Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and welcome to another episode of the Dental Amigos podcast, where I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul. And uh, tonight we have a uh, special guest. Uh, Dr. Drew Burns is uh, on with us. He is a veteran podcaster himself. Uh, He was a fee-for-service dentist and the host of the fee-for-service dentist podcast. He interviews everyone from industry leaders to bread and butter dentists to find out what is working for them and how we can each strive to perform better dentistry for their patients every day. Dr. Burns has made it his mission to help dentists grow the fee-for-service side of their practice. While dental experts say that fee-for-service dentistry is dead and that the golden age of dentistry is over, Drew is on a mission to prove them wrong. So. Just like disco, Paul. Yeah, yeah. But it's not dead, right? Keeping it going. He is determined to to stay out of the network with dental insurance uh, uh, carriers for his entire career. In an attempt to unite those who share his vision, Drew pulls back the veil on dental insurance companies and levels the playing field by sharing tricks that we can all implement in uh, in practices. And so now, without further ado, here's Dr. Drew Burns. Welcome, amigo, and thanks for being on the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. This is great. You know, uh, Paul, Dr. Paul Goodman, was one of my first interviews on my podcast. So um, it's an honor to to be on yours now. Oh, thanks, Drew. You said first, but I think you meant to say best, but, you know. uh, That's kind of becoming like like George Washington (laughs) slept here. Paul Paul Goodman was on my podcast. podcast. Did I say first? I think I meant to say first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, um, thanks for being on with us, Drew. And... uh, uh, we'll start with some hard-hitting questions. So I know you're from Winter Park, Florida. So if I came down there to visit and we were going to get nachos, where would we go and uh, what would be the topping you would choose for us? Oh, man, that's an easy one. We would go to Cocina 214 nice. in downtown Winter Park. It's right next to my current office. Like, I can literally walk out our front door, walk over about 10 yards, and then walk in their front door. And uh, this is where I might let you down, though. I'm kind of a simple nacho guy. I would, I mean, I like the basics. I just, I'm, I'm cheese, throw some chicken on there, we're good. Um, but that's, I mean, I don't, I don't love all those extra toppings. So maybe you could get your plate and I get my basic nacho plate. I like when you, you're already, Drew, you know, I think you know from my nacho group, I like, you know, sharing catchphrases in the script. But basic, we just call it classic, right? It's a classic. So I, I, I like classic, classic nachos and I like casino. And I, I, lucky that I, 
my office is in New Jersey, but I live in Center City, and I'm lucky I'm not there because uh, Mrs. Nacho would say, are you home from work yet? i say, it's still working, but I'd be digging into Nacho plate number three, <laughs> you know, after work. So, uh, um, well, I, I we're, love having you, and it, we have a lot of different guests on the show, some non-clinical, some clinical, but it's great to have uh, someone who does dentistry too, so we can share with Rob the joys of uh, uh, dentisting. So tell us a little bit, like, you know, what, what was your uh, day like from a clinical perspective, you know, dentisting perspective, give us a little insight into that. You got it. Oh man, today was <laughs> it was pretty. Easier. It was a pretty average day, uh, which means it was not without difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> Someone crying? Was it you? Know. No. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there may have been tears. Um, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so you're pretty average day. Um, yeah, clinically speaking, uh, it was a good day. Um, trying to remember honestly sometimes i get home and it's just like i whitewash what i did for the day <laughs> that's okay I, that's a, I, I do the same I thing know. it's like every every block i walk little... it's like another, another layer gets peeled off <laughs> yeah. hey julie ask it so did you start yeah. up your practice or did you do it by acquisition how did you uh how did you start out hey i'm glad you asked um uh, but before i get into that I, i'm looking at my cheat sheet here which is my little list of patients i need to call anyone who got numb for the day and which teeth i worked on and you know, I'm, I, it's a good thing that I kind of forget what I did at the end of the day because I thought today was a good day. <laughs> Turns out all I did today was four fillings. That's all That's all that I have to call patients for. There are probably some crown seats in there, I think, but pretty slow day after all. One of the um, things, though, I think you could say, Joe, and I wanted to talk about your acquisition of startup, though, but I think it's just a great um, point is that even though, you know, you uh, a new dentist or a young dentist or a student said, oh, Dr. Drew just did four fillings and some crown seats. That must have been an easy day. That you know, that laugh meant that probably as an owner, you dealt with many things outside the operatory that caused you know uh, energy oh, yeah. to be expended. One hundred percent. There was there's, you know, we did have a two hour team meeting today. On Thursdays we started meeting for two hours every every Thursday. I, I buy the team lunch every other Thursday, and um, you know we meet. And so today we. That took up, oh, and you know what else happened? Now I'm remembering more by day. I also started blocking off two hours of my own time out of the clinical schedule to work on admin stuff because the the management side has become a little bit, we got a lot that we're doing in our office right now. So um, my team kind of came to me and said, hey, you need to be focusing more on the practice. And so I kind of had to carve out two hours. So Thursdays I, I have fewer clinical hours than other days of the week. And it's a good system, though. I think one of the things I would share with our listeners, and you know, Rob and I are, are close friends, helps me as an advisor, is that you know, there's only so many hours of productive time in the day, and sometimes mm-hmm. you think you're going to do this at late at night or in the morning. It's just easy to not do it, and also you're just not at your your top level thinking. So I think that's a smart system to put some time in for yourself to work on the practice, like the E Myth would say. Um, instead of just in it, but um, well, the other thing too that you know, and look, welcome to the legal world, Paul. Yeah. Right, this is something that we have to deal with on a regular basis. And it's just it's so much easier to do the things that are deadline driven, or in the dentist case, something that's been scheduled for you. Yeah, and uh, you know, we've talked about this on the show a lot. It's just it's so crucial to set aside quality time and to schedule quality time to deal with business issues and, and think about, you know, what your vision is and where your practice is going and, and, and pay attention to that stuff that it's so easy just to make the donuts, right. Yeah. You know, and just do the dentistry. <laughs> if you're a lawyer, you do the legal stuff like that's, that's the good stuff. But you know, uh, unfortunately right. or fortunately depends on the day, I guess there's this whole nother world out there that has to be addressed. And mm-hmm. the people that we see and clients that we see that don't, uh, keep their eye on that ball. Really, uh, they pay the price at some point. It's it's a good message. Uh, modern, modern day Philly hero uh, Rocky uh, Drew. Have you seen the Rocky movies in your uh, in your day? Oh yeah. So you know, uh, I, I've actually always thought of this, and you just uh, brought it up. Like, and Rob may feel this way too. Sometimes you know, you just aren't allowed to get a break. Like when they got a timeout from boxing, and you know, sometimes it's just tough on your day to not feel like you get any just a mental break from being on. So, you know, scheduling that time, I think is great. And, um, now I'll go back. Yeah. And you should know, was your, uh, practice a startup or acquisition? So I acquired this practice on my first year out of school. Um, my, my plan was actually to, um, work for my, uh, dentist that I had growing up. Uh, he had a fee for service practice and I just loved the way that he practiced dentistry and the way that he was able to treat people through his practice. And, yeah, I thought that, that was going to be the end game for me. I was going to work there, and I was going to 
um, buy in. That's certainly what he wanted, but I was there maybe six months before we realized this isn't really working out. I was there two days a week, and I eventually went down to two half days a week uh, because there wasn't enough patient flow for me. So my perception of fee-for-service dentistry from the start was that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, right? Like, I, I'm here, um, but there's no patients here, so what gives? So I, I had to fill my schedule with uh, working in other offices. I mean, in that first year out of school, I probably worked at a total of, like, 12 different offices. Oh, wow. I don't know, not, only <laughs> up to four at a time, but as things just didn't work out in these other offices, um, you know, I was, and that was a whole mixture. I was in some fee-for-service practices. I was in some heavily PPO-based offices, um, which were just way too uh, pressure-driven. Uh, um, you know, I was not comfortable performing, you know, the quality of industry that they were, you know, make, forcing me to, to produce based on how much little, how little time they were giving me per patient. Um, and I was in some good PPO environments as well. But I, after that first year, I, I came across this fee-for-service practice for sale, and I'll tell you what, it was it was challenging um, to decide whether or not it would be a good move because I was nervous that I would buy it and all the patients would leave because if they didn't have that insurance that was, you know, tying them to that practice, then the only thing that was tying them to the practice was this dentist relationship and that's ending as soon as that old guy retires <laughs> and i should say here retired. yeah that, you know a lot of times people i think have a misconception that you know a fee-for-service practice is going to be easier to transition it's more valuable it's a better thing and it can be mm -hmm. as long as it works out well but it definitely as you said exactly. Drew, it's, it's a lot riskier i mean people are, are choosing to go to that dentist you know for for a reason you know and they're not, not right. because it's on a website or in a book and it's a very personal relationship um and so did the uh, did the seller stay on for any period of time after the closing? So I really wanted him to stay on for six months so that he could introduce me to every single patient. But he said that, you know, six months is going to be a little bit too long, that um, there wouldn't be enough work for the both of us to do. And he was right. He stayed on for a month and he introduced me to everybody. And after that, I think it was, it was probably a good amount of time. I still would have preferred maybe a little bit longer just for that patient relationship connection to be transferred, transfer the goodwill over to me from him. But um, at the end of the day, it's kind of difficult having two providers there when all the patients are going to want to see him, right? right? They're not going to want to see the new guy unless the old guy's gone. So I think it was a good amount of time. And thankfully, you know, there was not a mass exodus. Thankfully, um, we actually grew uh, by 20% or more for three, four years in a row now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, we're about to close out our fifth year. Uh, since it took over the practice. So, and, and we've got an associate now. And so we're kind of bucking the trend as far as fee for service is concerned. Um, and so that's something that I've, and the reason I started my podcast is simply because everybody was saying that fee for service dentistry is dead. And I thought, well, that's not good for me because <laughs> I'm pretty young and I want to be doing this. I want to stay out of network for my entire career. Um, so I, I started the podcast selfishly as a way to interview other people who are doing it right and try and learn what's working for them. So it's, it's been fun. That's cool. Is there anything that you would say to uh, our listeners who if somebody was considering doing a, uh, a fee-for-service acquisition? You know, is there one or two things that you can kind of look back on and say, you know what, that was I, I made the right decision there, you know, and, that, and that paid off, you know, that you would kind of impart on, on somebody that's considering doing, doing the same thing? You know, whether it's fee-for-service or not, I, I think maybe one of the most important things is simply you, you got to make sure that you, you know what's behind those numbers. And that, for in my instance, I, I didn't make sure that, um, for, you know, for every 10 fee-for-service practices out there, maybe I found the one that would work for me, right? So there may have been tons of others. It doesn't matter that it was just fee-for-service. What matters to me was that I felt like I could step into his shoes and more or less pick up where he left off in terms of his clinical mixture of procedures. Um, he was pretty much doing bread and butter dentistry, but if, if he had been doing, um, you know, if if the practice was collecting six hundred thousand, for example, and he was doing fifty percent of that was implants, and I didn't place implants, well, that's a problem. Right. Or if he was doing sleep apnea treatment, that's also a problem. So um, he was mostly just doing, you know, bread and butter dentistry, which was great because that's all I knew how to do. And so it's um, that's pretty much still what I'm doing. And so that, that's I'd say one of the most important things is just. 
if you're considering any practice, make sure that you're able to fill the, the shoes of that dentist or you have a, a plan in place that's going to, even better, if you can add on more services, that's even better. That's a great point, Drew. I, mean, I appreciate sharing a couple questions of my own. First, I, I do want to say this, and I say this on my own group. Uh, we got to stop calling it bread and butter dentistry. Nobody eats bread and butter anymore. Uh, it's only a treat if you get bread and butter. It needs to be like spinach and quinoa dentistry. Because, <laughs> But I say this as a joke, Drew, and I'm, I mean, I'm someone who plant shares. Based yeah, plant-based. You know, a little bit, though, and we can dig into this. I actually think that that joke has some meaning. All my jokes have meanings. But uh, um, because bread and butter has gone away from our diet, right? And the bread and butter dentistry that most general dentists talk about, and just to share with Rob because he loves the insight of the dental world, uh, you know, that's crowns and fillings and cleanings pretty much, right? I mean, that, that right. we would describe that as crowns, fillings, and cleanings. And what I would share with our listeners and, you know, as a buyer, coach, and broker, you know, cleanings are a constant pretty much. I mean, maybe I can make an argument that people will not need as many frequent cleanings because they'll have less periodontal disease, but I'll just give the dental world that getting your teeth cleaned is going to stay stable, right? The, the need is going to be there. But the other parts of bread and butter dentistry is the result of decay or a cavity. And, you know, as we look at younger people, if they're not going to have as much bread and butter, how are we going to fill our offices? And there's exciting ways to do it, whether it's implants, sleep apnea, uh, orthodontics, um, other types of dental work. But I actually um, mm-hmm. kind of see that as uh, something people should be aware of in order to bring his awareness. But I wanted to ask a question, Drew, because even I don't know this, how did you meet the seller, you know, who you bought the practice from? Yeah, actually, um, man, it really worked out. I was working for a different dentist, um, and he kind of knew what my plans and intentions were, and him being a good guy, knew this dentist who was retiring, and he put us in touch with each other. So Um, it was like old-fashioned dating, right, Drew? Someone knew... You needed needed someone. So one of I run a lot of events, and what's interesting about me is you know prior to the Dental Nachos group, and Rob's known me for years. I just was so into getting dentists to live CE events. You know, I actually had a, something called the Rising Dentist mm-hmm. Study Club, which was, which its sole mission when I was in, uh, got out of my residency was to make dentists be nice to each other. So it was sort of a precursor <laughs> to Dental Nachos, and that was the I said, man, dentists aren't that nice to each other. Maybe if we all get together when we're young and we share, uh, we'll be nicer. And I actually had these events in Philly and sounds foreign to you, Drew, but there was no texting. There was no cell phones. I, I would send emails and 30 people said they would show up and 18 people would show up. I got people to lecture for free and sponsors just to pay for the food. And uh, what was cool about that, though, was that you would meet people who would hear like, oh, I'm looking for an associate or I'm looking for uh, to sell my practice. And it, what's valuable is it might not be the person they're talking to, but just like your seller, they knew someone who needed that, right? Right. So the value of networking and getting out face-to-face is just so important, especially in the transition world, because I just came back from a lecture in Chicago and there's just met a great dentist from Dental Nachos and he had a similar scenario to you and he met the dentist that he bought the practice from by joining the local study club. And you know, there was, yeah. even as a broker and I and Rob and I work on deals and do deals and there's just a lot of ways. And it, again, and Rob knows some catchphrases like, you know, a lot of ways to skin a cat. It seems like such a graphic way to describe <laughs> yeah. multiple decisions, right? Yeah, you, know, you know, yeah, so like, but uh, there's, multiple ways to connect with a potential sale. And I, I am a fan of dentists right. being successful. So when I have a 30 year old who says, you know, can you help me look for a practice or do this? I say, use every avenue possible, whether it's the internet, uh, local study clubs. Um, and I think that's just a, a valuable um, avenue. So thanks, thanks for sharing that. So I have a question for you in the fee for service world. And I know we talked on my podcast or on your podcast when I was on that, I have a practice that, um, one is fee, I use this word ish, it's fee for service ish. So I don't wanna, you know, mm-hmm. I wanna be a pure, pure, right? There is some insurance influence in that practice, but mm-hmm. it's not a big patient decision maker. And then I have another practice that is a PPO driven. Right. And this is the question that everyone wants to hear. And I, I'm interested in knowing. So if I called your practice tomorrow and said, hey, I'm Paul Goodman. I'm the nacho guy. I'd like to get my teeth cleaned. And your staff, was nice, your team was nice. And I said, do you take my insurance? What is the, what is the Drew Burns office response? <laughs> I like that. I just like, uh, Okay. This is a loaded question, question. And it's one that I have asked many people that I've interviewed. So I should have a good answer for it, right? <laughs> you would think. Um, and let me answer, but let me backtrack to it if you don't mind. Sure. I will answer it with my answer, right? So, Okay. Um, 
you know, after I've been doing the podcast for over a year now, and I kind of have, I've hopefully, I would hope I've learned some things. And one of the things that I kind of have realized, I thought that was kind of the holy grail. Um, it's so important that we do train our teams. Uh, and truth be told, if you called my office, I don't know what they're going to say some days. Because <laughs> yeah. I'll train them and I'll train them, and then something else comes out, and I'm like, huh? That's not what That's we had normal. 10 meetings about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the point I'm making here is I thought the Holy Grail was to figure out how to answer that question well as a fee-for-service practice so that we could get the patients in the door and, um, and you know, make them happy and become patients here. But what I've realized after interviewing so many people who have done fee-for-service startup practices, um, the goal is not, and this is not exactly what you're asking, but let me just clarify this, the goal to fee-for-service practice is not to trick a PPO-minded patient into going out of network, right? The goal is to attract those who are willing to pay cash for your services. And that, that's a pretty important distinction. And I had that wrong when I started the podcast. Um, because what I found is we might use the perfect verbiage and we might wow that patient and they might decide to come in. Um, but then what happens is they stick with us for maybe a cleaning or two and if they really are a PPO-minded patient, ah, you know what? My wife has a dentist who's in network and she likes them, I'm going to try them out. And we'll just see people will kind of fade away um, in that scenario. Uh, but to answer your question, we, we still, you know, we still give it a try. Um, you know, if, if they ask, do you take my insurance, what I hope my team is saying is something to this effect, right? Something along the lines of, uh, we work with lots of insurances. Uh, can you tell me more about your plan? And, and try and get to the bottom of, is it a PPO plan? Is it an HMO? Because if it's an HMO, Unfortunately, um, we are at network with that insurance. We cannot accept that insurance. That's a, a flat no. Um, but if you, you're still welcome to become a patient in our practice, in fact, we have a great membership pay, a plan for patients um, whose insurances don't work well in our practice like yours. So that, that's one route you could go down. If it's a PPO practice and it does work, if we quote-unquote take it, but we're just not in network, um, you know, the answer is yes, we have lots of patients with that insurance, uh, we would love to see you here with that. Uh, please, you know, let us let's get some more information so we can get a full benefit, so you know what um, costs to expect, if any, on your first visit. I like um, I like it, I, Drew. I mean, you, you do. I know it's not it's not an easy question to answer, and and um, what we do is a you know similar thing. Mm -hmm. And I just say that you know how many new patients are so valuable to a practice, uh, right? A fee for service style practice, you know. You know, when, when dentists online or on Facebook say I get 120 new patients a month, that would destroy my fee-for-service practice. I mean, there's no way right. that I could deal with that. So it's like, it's no different than customers at, you know, a Chipotle, a Taco Bell, or a restaurant Alves, you know. So the more customers that come in through a fee-for-service practice, sometimes it can be a problem for new as new patients. You wouldn't necessarily want 50 or 60. So um, doing the work on the phone, taking a little extra time, kind of can help you with your system so we just we just say a similar thing you know uh we've we work with a lot of different insurances tell me more about yours we'll look into it uh for as a, you know a complimentary benefits check and maybe some mm -hmm. people would disagree with me but i have my patient care coordinator look into every new patient insurance in depth and let them know yeah. what they're going to do and but we still encourage them to schedule most of them do uh most of them mm -hmm. are not coming in the next day and what's more important right. than a, a good new patient? I mean, what's the lifetime value of a patient who's going to come and even get their you know, teeth cleaned twice a year? Uh, let's mm -hmm. just label it as $400, and they come for 10 years. You know, It's worth it to have one of your team members really investigate their insurance. And, and you know what I think is funny, Drew, is uh, some, some people will say, uh, you know, I'm going to get a patient in, and I'm going to wow them, right? I'm going to wow them. I, I, I don't know if any of us are really wowing. I know, Rob, you, you, you come in and say, uh, wow, uh, this was quite the experience. It's like Cirque du Soleil in here, right? You know, Rob, we can use as our civilian. He's he's seen a as lot a, of dentists. I get wowed when like, I'm seen on time and yeah. I'm like, I don't spend too much time in yeah. a chair and I get out of there quickly. Um, like, wow, it, that was great. I mean, but I mean, what I think, Drew, and I would say is like, how many times have you been wowed at a tire change, right? So you know the guy's nice. So I think that right. the dentists who do that, they're just, they're very passionate, but they just don't know people. They're not thinking of themselves as, the non-dentist because I know that if my patient was redirected through a, like electron particle beaming to your office to get a teeth cleaning tomorrow, 
I bet you they'd be like, this is a good place to get a, their teeth cleaned. And I bet you if the exact same patient was redirected to mine, if they were coming in for a cleaning, they probably would feel similar. And, and that's a good thing, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we should be proud of that. Um, right. If they're getting a full mouth implant case, they're going to notice. And, and a lot of decisions would have been made prior to them scheduling that. So our initial visits, and Rob, you know, can say as someone who's, you know, gone to get his teeth cleaned as a non-dentist, the initial experiences in dental offices and seeing dental hygienists, they're usually very nice people who do a good job, seem like they care. And uh, that's why what you said was important. You want to attract the type of patient who's going to be more in the fee-for-service mindset long-term. And there's some questions mm -hmm. they ask, so I, I appreciate you asking me that. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Of course, of course. Yeah, that's, um, that's how we're looking at it now is, is how do we attract the right type of patient um, rather than just like getting every single patient in the door. And believe me, I'm not going to say no to a patient, but my goal is that I want, before they step foot in the door, I want them to be fully aware that uh, of what their insurance will and will not cover. You know, some, some people say, you know, we don't use the term fee for, or out of network in our office. You won't hear anyone in our office using that term. Uh, I, I kind of like that philosophy, um, unless, of course, the patient uses it. Uh, but with the, the the caveat is we need to make them aware of what that means. Like that that's the insurance language, and it makes it sound worse for uh, worse of a scenario than it actually is. Like let's make sure there's going to be no surprises. That's what people want. Yeah, I like that. They want to know. Yeah, so that, we we try to put in the legwork like you're talking about to uh, investigate the insurance and see what what the deal is going to be. That's that's great. So what things other than yeah. that, I mean, what are you doing, Drew, that you feel uh, that you can kind of impart on some of our listeners as to like, mm -hmm. why does fee-for-service work for you? And again, what, what things have you done well uh, to, to make that happen? I don't have a clue. <laughs> that's an honest answer. Thank no. you. All right. Great. <laughs> that's what you're going to get. We need no, three more I, seasons um, of your podcast yeah. before it's all figured out, right? That's right. Yeah, I know. One, one year at a time, we're taking it. Um, so yeah, thankfully, we have been growing. You know, I, I'd love to say it's as simple as treating people right, but I think dentists have bought into that philosophy for a long time and seen it not worked out. There's been a lot of fee-for-service dentists who treat people right and then can't afford to pay the bills uh, because all their insurance maybe, or all their patients maybe went in-network um, to a different dentist. Like, so there's... There's so many touch points that are important in creating an experience that's that's worth com coming out of network for or paying cash for. Um, and, you know, sometimes we work so hard to create this amazing patient experience, and people don't even seem to notice or care. <laughs> and, but it, it's I think it's it's focusing on the ones that um, are going to be the different ma difference makers in the community. We, we all have those uh, patients that are going to rave about us. Um, and so keeping an eye out for opportunities to, uh, I guess, get more patients like the ones you want by focusing on the ones that you have and, you know, talking to them about, hey, do you, you know, I, I, now I'm kind of misleading here because I, I rarely have that conversation with a patient or I'm asking them to refer someone directly. I should get better at that. But I think I've realized the patients that I have, I want more like them. So I got real clear about who my, I guess, target demographic is and I'm, I'm trying to cater to them what's your target demographic sense? look like where you are you know it's funny there's i am in uh, a suburb of orlando so i mean it is a, a crowded area there are and there's any different type of demographic there's very wealthy and there's not very wealthy um, i mean within blocks within streets of each other like right around my office um so we have every every um, mixture of patient type. Um, I guess, like I said, my, my goal is just to try to create a little bit of a, a brand for ourselves as being, I don't want to use the word high-end because um, that's, that's not what our goal is. We don't want to be the high-end dentist. We want to be appealable to everybody. What I'm trying to do with my practice is a very, I'm trying to walk a very thin line. And I, I wouldn't necessarily advise it because what they're saying um, is that you know, in, in the way things are heading with dental insurances and the pressures on private practices, you, you kind of want to pick a side and either go high-end or go heavy PPO, but trying to, like, dance in the middle of being catering to everybody is difficult. You can differentiate yourself as if you focus on cosmetics or if you focus on implants. Um, but trying to just be, 
I, I think that the, the middle ground is starting to disappear in the, the dental market, but I, I'm trying to walk that thin line a little bit of being not super high-end, not definitely not super affordable, um, but out-of-network and fee-for-service, and um, we're also trying to scale because I have an associate, we're growing, and my five-year lease is about to expire and we're getting kicked out of my office. So we're building a new 12 operatory practice. So I'm planning for growth. My number one way to focus on growing a fee-for-service practice is membership plans. Because that's at the heart of it, a fee-for-service patient is someone who pays cash. No, no, membership uh, plans. But so Rob, wait, and Rob's familiar with this world too, and you can call so because now we, usually we're talking all this business stuff, and Rob's the expert. Now we're talking dental stuff, but we'll, I'll bring something in that Rob loves. You talked about building and leases; he goes nuts for that. Right, so, so, so yeah, so sorry, so sorry. as let's let's do it. So tell us first before yeah. the membership actually tell us about this because it's interesting. Sure. I really think that you're you've heard me post a lot about. I believe the way to manage your practice in the future is to have more, at least have more operatories, right? So whether that's one owner, two owners, three owners, one owner and associates, step one, more operatories. Step two, I believe over the next, you know, 10 or 20 years, uh, dentist partnering, even though they haven't traditionally done that, and I'm talking maybe even a little more like doctors, which is a, which is a high level move, is a, is a possibility. But tell us a little bit how this expansion, the building lease, uh, I know Rob would like to hear about that. No, absolutely. So I did not go about it in a wise way. <laughs> I kind of looked at it as I did what you shouldn't do. I was looking for a while for an ideal piece of land, and I found one that was pretty close to ideal and very expensive. And I was like, all right, well, this is more expensive than I'd like to pay for it. It does have good visibility, which is good. Um, but hypothetically, how many dental chairs can we fit inside a building on this piece of land if we were to build a practice? And I, I kind of played that game. And I was like, well, it wouldn't make sense to pay this much for a piece of land for a five-chair office. But maybe if we had 12 chairs and multiple providers, we could afford it. And so I kind of backed into a bigger practice, which along the same lines of thinking that you, you had, Paul, that I would like. You know, if I had it my way, honestly, I think I would have a, a small fee-for-service practice, small staff, and just just go to work every day and be happy doing that. But I kind of backed into this. I also had a big vision of, I'd like to make a difference in the community. I'd like to be able to do big free dental days. And that, that's kind of hard to do in my current spot um, with our limited space. So there were benefits that came from volume of, of, of being able to have more chairs rather. So um, anyhow, for the, the building, um, yeah, that, that's my, I guess my goal would be to have at least three providers. Um, we could, if we did split shifts, I think we could do up to six providers so with the way we currently see patients. Uh, I really don't want to sacrifice the patient experience. Um, you know, I, I typically run a pretty light schedule. I try not to um, overbook patients. I try to see people on time, um, that sort of thing. But, Rob, do you have any specific questions about the, the building scenario? No, no, it sounds interesting. I mean, I, I actually seized on the fact that you said that, you know, part of why you want to do that is because you have sort of a, a charitable angle with that, which, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we uh, recently had Jamie Amos uh, on the show and he was talking oh, about great. the importance of, you know, the give back and uh, mm -hmm. what he does in his business and, and some of his clients do really successfully. And I think uh, it's it's a uh, it's a neat thing. And, and it's you know, obviously justifies the the expense of carrying some extra mm -hmm. office space if you think that you can grow your practice that way, which is which is really cool. But no, I'm sure I, hoping kinda, that I can. Yeah, I mean, back to though where you were going, though, with the fee-for-service, that you feel like the way to grow that practice in part is with the uh, is with the, the in-office, uh, the dental plan. I'm interested to hear uh, what your thoughts are yeah, about that. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, and I'll also just add in, in terms of the, of the building, you know, it's also for me, because I think I might, might be happier <laughs> with a small practice that I can just manage fee-for-service, and as we hit capacity, we could easily, you know, raise our fees. And now it's the people who really want to be there will stay and kind of play that game a little bit and not have to deal with all the headaches that come as you have to grow, because there has been a lot so far um, as you grow and all the staff and, and all those sorts of things. I was not – I'm not even there yet, and I'm not prepared for it. But I think what appeals to me in this – um, kind of go big or go home scenario that I'm in is a little bit of a legacy thing. Um, you know, I've got my first 
child on the way, a son. I want to be able to build something that I can be proud of um, and hopefully build a brand and a reputation in the community and give back. So that that's certainly is a large part of it. Um, I think I just think that this type of uh, location will allow us to do that better. So, um, and, you know, I did the math on it, and your average practice, um, you know, maybe needs about uh, 1,500, 1,600 patients to fill it um, for two hygienists working like four days a week. And so carrying that same math for our facility, we would need about 6,000 patients to fill it. Um, and we don't have anywhere near that number. <laughs> I mean, we're we're not even quite full enough for, for two dentists full time. I said I do have an associate, but you know we're still in growth mode. And so, like I said, I'm 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 fiercely determined to be you know out of network with insurances for my whole whole career. So how the heck am I going to do that? Uh, that's kind of a slow form of growth um, and fill up these chairs because I'm going to be paying for that building on day one, whether there's patients there or not. My my whole focus here is membership patients because, um, you know, how else could you if, – if you want to market, you can market for certain procedures. You can market for Invisalign. You can market for veneers. You can market for implants. That's all decent stuff. That's good stuff. But how do you market for cash patients? It's with your membership plan. That's what it allows you to do. So I got hung up on it for a long time because, you know, I didn't really feel like – no one could convince me it was a good idea. I, all I saw was a way – I only perceive it as a way to give away part of my profits, which is not, that's the opposite of what I'm trying to do. Um, but I kind of overanalyzed it as I tend to do and figured out oh, a way to do it. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. Um, and, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys know uh, Dr. Christopher Phelps. He I know him. He's book. great. Yeah. He wrote a book on membership plans. So I kind of got together with him as a coaching client of his and like really studied up on it. I'm like, how can I do this right so that I'm going to you know, profit instead of losing profits and still grow the practice? And so we kind of came up with a plan together. Um, and so that, that's my goal is to, to grow with the membership base. And um, yeah, and, and so that's a big goal I've laid out for myself is because I would love, if, I, if the goal is 6,000 patients, fast forward five years, however many years it takes, I would love 100% of those patients to be on the membership plan. So tell me, I what, mean, how, did, how have you implemented that in your, uh, in your practice? And then if you can, tell us specifically what, what the membership plan is. Sure. Yeah, I don't mind going into that at all. Um, I wonder if I can pull up our plan here while I'm talking. But, um, you know, I, initially I, I did a slow um, and sort of am doing, so half of my patients are either cash or membership. And I did not want, part of my strategy was I did not want all of the patients to go on our plan overnight. I wanted to use it more so as a tool to attract cash patients rather than just something to, you know, try and get all of our patients on right away. Um, there are certain specific instances where I coach my team like, yes, this is the perfect time to talk to one of our patients about membership plans. A great example is, um, you know, they're retiring and they're losing their insurance and they're asking us what insurance they should sign up for. Hey, um, you, there are some insurances we could guide you towards, but have you heard about our membership plan? And just so, just so we can pause for a second for Rob, and because you and I are, are doing very similar things in our practice, Drew, because I use mm -hmm. um, an in-house membership plan. The reason why that's the perfect time is because, you know, they have had insurance their whole lives through their mm -hmm. job, have no idea what they pay for it. Right. Now, now that they get told, if you want to keep this, I'm just going to use easy numbers. If you want to keep spoiled guac PPO, uh, it's $50 a month. And then you say, Drew, well, my membership plan is X amount of dollars a year, and it's the best time to have a conversation that makes sense to the patient. Right. And something that we say that resonates a lot, I think, with patients is, that the advantage to it's you know it's not insurance it's different than that but the advantage is you're only like paying for what you get you're not overpaying for things you may not need so you're paying for your preventative care your cleanings your x-rays your um your exams and then if you need any treatment you get a discount on that but you're not going to pay and then get hit with loopholes and find out that they're going to deny your claim for whatever reason and for me it's a strategic move of i'd rather have my practice would be so easy to manage um, with my team members if all of our patients were on our, on our membership plans. If there's no insurance company to call, 
Yes, there's no claim that could be denied. You know, if in that scenario, we, we hold all the cards. Um, we're not subject to what insurance companies are going to do tomorrow or the next day, um, whether they're going to start suddenly stop paying to out-of-network providers or they're going to cut your reimbursement by 20%. Um, and, you know, look back at the past 30, 40 years of what insurance has done, and it's, it has not been good for dentists. So uh, carrying that forward, I you know, I just I don't trust them. So I... My goal has been to streamline our growth. A lot of people um, manage their own plans in-house, which is perfectly fine to do. And Chris Phelps helps coach people on that. We actually have a, a course on um, how to do membership plans well. Uh, I hope it's okay that I mentioned that. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, okay, cool. The Dental Membership Master Course at membershipmastercourse.com for people who are like really looking to go in deep on it, as, as deep as I went to it before I rolled mine out. But what we found um, is that once you hit a lot of practices, and Paul, you might be the exception to this if you're um, managing it. I don't know if you're using the software or not, or if you're just managing it truly in-house. But um, when practices just manage it by themselves and they charge the patient, typically just one time a year because it's too difficult to keep up with monthly payments, um, we found that Practices tend to get a little bit overwhelmed with keeping track of all those patients once they get about 100 patients or so on their in-house plan. They, they tend to kind of hit a, hit a wall around I mean, I totally there. agree with you. I, I use different platforms, you know, that sure. are we pay for. And dentist, you know, I kind of have this term dentist cheap, yeah. uh, which I'm not afraid to, to share because it's, it's just like encounter it. I mean, mm-hmm. the good – what the dentists look at as the bad thing is the good thing, right? So – you would want as many mem- people on this plan as possible. So they were part of your right. core group. They like getting their teeth clean. They got the 10%. So, you know, putting your, your platform as one of the platforms, it was just opportunities, you know, Nike, Reebok, Puma, whatever. You would want to be paying a percentage to these platforms because it means you were doing a really good job getting people to sign up. And you're exactly right that once you hit a, a critical mass, it would become just impossible. And you would weirdly, Drew, create headaches like insurance after a while, right? Because part of the headaches yeah. of insurance is dealing with it, right? So it's like, I was thinking yeah. when you were talking, what was the thing where, you know, uh, they, the true, they were, they were going to cut the baby in half, but the true mother said, no, 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 give it to the other yeah. person. Like, you know, so it's like, <laughs> yeah. I'll t- ask Rob, you know, uh, is it worth it to spend an hour on the phone to spend, to save 14 bucks on your cell phone bill, right? Uh-huh. Like, right? Or is it better to just give away the 14 bucks? So we deal with this every day, whether you're in, and first of all, Drew, this is an in-network or out-of-network, doesn't, doesn't, this doesn't matter. If you right. deal with insurance, you could be paying someone $90 to try to recover $30 and it's you don't know right. until they start trying to recover it so it's right. it just what I'm this and that's what insurance companies obviously yeah they that, want that's yeah part of the business so you give plan, up right? I, I yeah. mean I say I don't want to brag about my practice management skills but sometimes my coordinator mm-hmm. comes and is like what about this I'm like just give up because I know yeah and it's also really bad for morale too because like someone's sitting on the phone waiting just no different than your cell phone for right. it's like so mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want to cut you off I wanted you to, to continue uh, with your plan but that's just I was just well, echoing the same sentiment yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And at some point, there's a breaking point where it's like, all right, this is this is too much with all the expiring credit cards. And so, and you know about this. Uh, so I, I kind of put together, um, just like I did when I rolled out my own membership, what would I want it to do my membership plan within my office to do it right? I did the same thing for a, a dental membership software, um, except it's not just a software, it's a solution. Because a software is just kind of like a set it and forget it, like this is okay, you can track your patients on this. But we're, we're way more than that. It's called Dental Membership Direct, right? DentalMembershipDirect.com. And our whole goal is to help practices kind of fly past that 100 patient mark, fly past the 500 patient mark, and kind of keep going without hitting these hurdles that most practices run into. And here's one of the kickers for me, and our data is starting to show this now. My, my theory was, and, and all, of the, all of the people I've talked to who do it purely in-house, they have patients pay once a year. And the reason that they do that is because it's too hard to charge them monthly. Now, the reason they say they do that is because, and I, I agreed with this philosophy and I still do, the reason they say is that it's, I don't want a patient who can't afford to pay the $300 or whatever it is up, up front. I completely agree with that. Um, but my theory was, you know, I would rather have a patient who pays monthly at, for the renewal rate 
because if we have to charge them, and our office is $360 a year, if we have to charge them that every single year, when that hits our credit card, they're going to they're gonna turn their head and think, mm, do I really want to stay at this dentist? But if it's just 30 bucks a month, every month, and it just hits their credit card and they, they don't think anything of it, it's going to be a lot easier to retain that patient long-term, is my, was my theory, and our data is starting to show that as well. Hmm, that's the interesting. Renewal rates Makes sense. Much, yeah, they're, they're much better for people who pay monthly, which is just for people who manage in, in-house solely, they might be shooting themselves in the foot a little bit by not, not allowing patients to have that flexibility and retain that renewal rate. So anyhow, about the, the software solution, we also have, you know, we have a whole call center to follow up with patients, whether there's missed patients, mispayments, or their credit card expires, or there's an issue. Um, you know, we have a complete billing solution versus just like recurring payments. So if someone pays a month late, it doesn't mess up your AR. Um, like that, that's all a part of this package that we offer. So that, because those are the little things that start to add up once you scale past 100 patients. If my goal is 6,000 patients, like I don't want my team managing that in house. <laughs> what happens if Susie who's in charge of it quits? Or something happens, and are the credit cards being processed? Who pays yearly? Who pays monthly? I don't know what's going on. I've had enough staff issues that I, I don't want that to be bought. I've got a great team, and I have a lot of confidence in them, but I don't want their hands tied up in that. I, I want to streamline it way past what they'd be able to do within our office. So that's the deal. It's uh, membership direct, uh, dental membership direct, and um, – you know, I, I think it's it's going to be a game changer for a lot of offices. We also have, like, utilization coaches that will help you focus on, like, key growth metrics for your practice and, and check in on your renewal rates and, and see are you presenting things well. Um, so that's my goal is to find ways to help practices, and this is just a win-win. Uh, if we can get help you get more cash-paying patients in your practice, I mean, a membership patient, they're great. They're, they're, they're willing to accept more treatment. Um, they're, they've got a thing, so they feel like there's love of loyalty there to you. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that with your listeners. If, and if, if you don't mind, like we talked about before we started recording, I'd love, if, if, if now is an okay time, I'd love to be able to make an offer for the listeners. Yeah, absolutely, Drew, by all means. Great. So uh, Dental Membership Direct is one ninety nine a month. Um, but for the listeners of this podcast, if they use the word amigos – when they are scheduling a call to learn more about it, they just type in that word. We'll make sure that they get $50 a month dropped off of the monthly fee. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the... And you buy a lot of nachos at 50 bucks a month, so thanks, thanks. <laughs> right? That's cool. That's and, so, and, and so <laughs> right. the, it's dentalmembershipdirect.com, Drew? That's right, that's right. Okay. So that's the website, and... Um, yeah, it's, it's no commitment, no credit card or anything. It's just saying, hey, you're, you'd like more information, and we can give you the full full lowdown on what we got to offer. Cool. And then the other website I think you gave us, the membershipmasterclass.org, uh, I think you said, is the other? Uh, yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. And the other thing that helps with um, membershipmastercourse.com, <clears throat> the other thing that helps with um, cash-paying patients uh, is you know, having flexible payment options. And I see a lot of dentists... Um, using services like CareCredit, which is great, except that we give away a lot of our fee, our, our profit. If you're giving away, let's just say, 15% of, of the fee, I mean, that's that has a multiplier effect on the profit on your bottom line after you take away overhead. Um, what? But we do it because it's easy and it's convenient, and now I've got a, a solution as well for this to help dentists who want to do in-house payment plans and earn interest on top of it Instead of giving away the profit, instead of giving away 15%, you could be charging 15%. So it's called Dental Financing Direct. And it's, it's the same price as Dental Membership Direct, and it's kind of like a joint software. It's all one easy interface for your team to use. So they can set up a payment plan for a, a patient. Let's say they're going to do Invisalign in your office. You pay well, you can collect a down payment, cover your lab fee, put the rest in this payment plan. Um, to be able have, for the patient to have the convenience of monthly payments rather than paying it up front. Some people just want that convenience. And um, you can decide what interest rate you're going to charge, but we can do a credit check or a credit rating and give you our recommended interest rates based on what their credit worthiness is. So I wanted to throw that in there as well, uh, Dental Financing Direct. The best part is all the interest that's accrued um, is kept and retained by the practice. We don't, we don't want a cut of that. That's all 
that's all for the practice. So cool. my goal is to, to kind of help give up different options for patients who want to practices who want to focus on cash paying patients. Yeah, that's really cool. The same deal. The, the same Amigos code uh, is, will get you $50 a month off of that. That's great. So that, that's awesome. Thanks, Drew. And, and it's, it's about holding on to your money, right? Not, not giving it to other people. So um, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, we'll uh, make sure we get those uh, uh, websites up on the uh, our show notes. And of course, uh, people should uh, definitely check out your, uh, your podcast, uh, Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. Uh, I saw it on iTunes and all the usual places. And uh, if people wanted to contact you, Drew, uh, what's the best way, email or social media? What, what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to give you my email. Obviously, they can uh, find me in our Facebook group, Fee for Service Dentistry. But my email is ffsdentist at gmail.com. Okay, that's cool. Well, great. This has been uh, awesome having you on the show, Drew. Thanks, uh, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Drew. Yeah. Thank you, guys. This has been a blast. Okay, Paul, that was great. I have Drew on there. It's cool. The, the championing the fee-for-service yeah, cause. Yeah, young guy. A lot of the things that I've talked about with uh, having more operatory is just a good thing for dentists the next 20 or 30 years. And uh, maintaining the fee-for-service fee mindset is important because uh, – what he said is right. You, don't, you really don't know what the insurance companies are going to do. Right. And yeah. Control your destiny. But I mean, I, I'm interested too that, you know, it's like, it's one thing to say like, hey, I want to be fee for service, but he's actually trying to figure out a way to make it work, which, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things that like, you have to, if you, if you want something, you have to, you have to yeah. do something about it. Right. And so I, I like the way he is, he's strategized and he's incorporated these, uh, these membership plans as part of, you know, to leverage his fee for service. Oh, I think it's smart to do it. We've been doing it. I think it's a way to, um, you know, get a group of patients who just don't think about dental insurance and they think about going to the dentist. And I think there's be more of them as, uh, employers offer less insurance just in general and, uh, medical has been tied to, I mean, dental has been tied to medical. So I think it's smart for our listeners to in, in, investigate it because, uh, it's a way to, get people what we talk about like be your be your fans uh for a good reason right right yeah and just staying on top of things and being progressive and being open to trying new things and doing things a different way totally right? i mean the, the, the way he admitted though and said in there is that and i see it myself in my own practice it's the patients can get insurance-ified and that's where the growth problem happens because when people do come in with insurance it's not as easy to shift them to a membership plan right so we're looking for people who don't have insurance or has, have insurance that's just is so useless that they say, okay, I'll do your membership plan. So I think it's a good uh, kind of keep a watch on this subject as it, we go through things. Yeah, it sounds good. All right, man. Always fun. Thanks. Fun time, Rob. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.